Listening to Behind the Lens. It is April. Can you believe it is April already? Yeah, yeah. I am here with my cinematic cohort, Greg. It's alliteration. Alliteration. C's. Yes, yes. You know, cinematic cohort, her. Culver City, Four C's. Right it works. It, it, it works. works. But it we're works. in Whittier. We're, yeah. we're, we're in Whittier. Today's show is jam packed. Jam packed. Yeah. We're going to go at a breakneck pace, right? We, we really are. Um, okay. We've got calling in at eleven ten today. The legendary Carol Cook, Broadway, film. Most of you classic film lovers out there will know her as Bessie Limpet in The Incredible Mr. Limpet, a must-see on anybody's cinematic list Yeah, um, with Don Knotts. Don Knotts um, yeah. Carol's going to be calling in. We're going to talk about the Stage LA benefit, uh, May 9th at the Sabin Theater. This is its 31st year. Uh, it is a benefit to raise money for AIDS Project Los Angeles. This is not research money. That is, The money does not go for research. It goes boots on the ground. And when Carol calls, I have the statistics just from last year's show and what was done with the money that was raised, and it's mind-boggling. Wow, yeah. And coming up on the next few weeks, we're going to have a lot of the performers calling in. Nancy Dassault uh, will be joining us next week to talk stage. Jake Simpson, uh, the director, David Galligan, noted theatrical director. So we got a lot of fun stuff. At 11.30, one of my most favorite crazy bitches in the world is Jane Clark, the writer-director of Crazy Bitches. How many times can you actually say that word? I don't know. Brian said before we were limited to seven times. And seven. Jane, Jane and I were keeping count. You used count. two of them already. Well, we only used four last time we were on the show together. Okay, okay. So we think we, we banked them. Okay. Of course, but first we have to get through Carol Cook. Yes. And who knows, because Carol says whatever comes into Carol's mind. Okay, great. Which yeah. is part of what I love about her. And at 11.45 today, we have the co-writers and directors, Ezra Saddam and Nissan Dog, the Slam Dance uh, audience narrative feature winner across the sea. Uh, it is part of the Arclight Slam Dance Cinema Club. It will be at the Arclight in Hollywood. Right. Right. Which Gretchen McCourt yes. talked to us about yes. launching that whole program venture uh, every month between ArcLight and Slamdance. And uh, their film is going to be uh, next, it'll be Sunday night on the 12th. And it's a beautiful looking film, right? It is stunning. Absolutely yeah. stunning. Shot in widescreen on the coast of the Aegean Sea. So you just sit back. When you watch yeah. this film, the story is interesting. Um, the second half, uh, everything comes together so beautifully and very dynamic, emotionally dynamically. But the visuals, just sit there and just float away on your own little vacation. Yes. But first, first, well, yeah. you got a whole bunch of stuff for us today. Okay, I'm going to be very fast. Okay. As I usually am. Oh, but, because, uh, yes, we always have. Uh, oh, <laughs> da, da, no, no, da, I'm, kidding, da. I'm kidding. That was a G-rated joke. That, that was, was a G-rated, G-rated joke. joke. That, that meant to go a G-rated Because, you know, when people watch the video people, this week, they're yes. going to see we have all this great Pixar stuff here that uh, the folks at Disney and Pixar right. gave me my little jaunt this week. Um, for the new film Inside Out, which we'll be talking about in the coming okay. weeks leading up to the film's release in June. Well, I'm just going to get really bloody and morbid. Go ahead. Get we it go, out of the we way. We go from Pixar to bloody and morbid. Okay. <laughs> on, on my deepestdream.com blog, I'm conducting a giveaway, which ends April 19th, for this movie called Killers. And it's produced by Gareth Evans, the guy who did The Raid and The Raid Redemption, part two, I think, The Raid 2. And it's a really kind of depraved, sickening. Let me see that. Let me, let me see this. But it's really well done. You were talking about Across the Sea, about the great visual compositions. It's directed by the Moe brothers. I haven't seen their first film, Macabre, but... Oh, I oh, really? have. You have? Oh. Okay. Yeah. So Killers has that kind of... It's about the intricate relationship between two killers. One of them is a journalist in Jakarta. And the other, <laughs> of course, Jakarta, right, with Gareth. And the other is a banker in tokyo 
and it's about how they connect with their taste for for killing. And you know what? It's not. You might think it's really bloody and gory and and like I said, sickening. And there are moments that that are exactly like that. Yeah. But there are many moments as if you've seen both Raid films, and I guess you love the Mo Brothers' first film. There's a lot of melodrama. And as I well. love and I love the Raid films. Oh yeah, oh. yeah. So if you really want a beautiful, beautifully composed sickening perverse but also very resonant film and a lot of action a lot of oh there's a great action sequence in killers which takes place inside a car in the middle of a beach so just for that and you can actually look away at some of the gorier stuff it's worth a get so yeah anyways i'm giving away four of these blu-rays on my deepestream.com site so that's it deepestream.com win yourself they uh Get a giveaway of Killers. Killers, yeah. So you, I, I've never seen the first one. So the first, Macabre, is a really good film. I really okay. like it. Great. Oh, Great. I like it. But of course, you know, blood, guts, gore, action, psychological thrillers, you throw that all together. You know, I'm, I'm very eclectic. Yes, yes. Well, you watch a lot of things, so. I watch a, a that's, lot of good, That yeah. is just so, it. Yeah. I am not pigeonholed into any one genre. It's all about, you know... What's good and they're, you know, what's a complete film? What yeah. elements are making up that film that are really stand out? Now, speaking of elements, one film I really loved was Five to Seven. And I, th- I think it's one of the most romantic films I've seen in the past maybe even five to ten years. What are your thoughts on that? Quite honestly, everybody talks about Nicholas Sparks and the romance in his films. And, of course, he has the premiere of The Longest Ride with Scott Eastwood, which, right. my God, he looks just like his father. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a fabulous film, and it's really a departure from what we typically expect with the weepy tear stuff from Nicholas. But he's been long considered, you know, one of the, the high points of romance and right. love yeah. with The Notebook being one of the, one of the hallmarks. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, five to seven, yeah. it, you lose that dreamlike, you know, oh, if only, oh, Let's look back on our past. No, this is in the moment, true love, real life, eternal love. It is one of my favorite romantic films ever. You were surprised at how... I was extremely surprised. My curiosity was piqued by having Glenn Close and Frank Langella in the film, because I'll see anything with Frank Langella. And and they play Anton Yelchin's parents. Anton Yelchin is a struggling writer who falls in love with a French woman in her early 30s. And... That was another surprise for me was yeah. Anton Yelchin, who just blew my mind in Cymbeline. Which I haven't seen yet. Yeah. It, so. will, it will make you love yeah. Shakespeare. Really? It will make okay. you want to see, want to read and understand and, le- and learn more about Shakespearean plays. But one of the things I loved about 5 to 7 is it's such, there's so many movies that are made every year, but few movies really touch on kind of that old school romance. Of course, a part of the narrative deals with adultery. But really, but that's 21st century. Yeah, yeah. The meat of the film is about how how we stay in love with each other, no matter what the consequence. And I had the chance to talk to Berenice Marlowe, who is absolutely luminous in this film. I, yeah. The camera loves her. Definitely, definitely. emotionally, oh, she wow. is luminous. Yeah. But the camera, she just lights up the screen. Yeah, and in, the, in this following clip, I asked her about one of the themes of the film, and she talks about how. She loves the eternal love element of the movie. And the most beautiful topic for me in this movie is that, yes, for instance, love is eternal in a way. There's no, when we talk about the length of a, a relationship, or with, you know, it can be love with your ancestors you, you, you never met. Things, we are a collection of memories, you know. I don't know if we, maybe we have other lives. We, maybe we have several lives, I don't know. And, and I, this is the most beautiful thing that was, for, that is for me in this story. And I believe that. Love is like, there's no end, you know. I just thought that was poetic. It is. Yeah, yeah. But leave it to a French woman to come up with that, that poeticism about love. Yeah, I'm not poetic. My eyes were glazing as she said that. It's very, really wonderful. And the movie is fantastic. Oh, I, I truly, tr- I was so happy when, because I couldn't make a screening, but they yeah. were able to get me a screener so I could see it. And I just, it just, it, it captures the heart. It grabs your heart. And there's something to be said about romantic dramas, melodramas, romances in New York. As well. Very much so. It's that vibrancy of life, that energy that 
And we have, she is here. She is on the line. This is my beloved Carol Cook. Hello. Hi, Debbie. It's Carol. Hello, Carol. I'm here with my cohort, Greg. Hi, Carol. Oh, hi, Greg. And we have been everybody, all the TCM, our TCM audience, all the TCM fans, everybody so excited that you were calling in today. Well, see, that's vice versa. I'm excited, too. I was sleeping soundly, and they said, you've got to talk to Debbie and Greg. So here I am. (laughs) Was that mean old Tom who woke you up and said you... Yes, it was. Listen, I'm so glad I don't have to be there in person and put on the Carol Cook face at this hour. Oh. I'm good. I would never... No. You you save that for nighttime. You save that for premieres. You know, no. I I just let you talk, and you can sit there in your pajamas. Okay. So this is this is so wonderful. We're going to talk about Stage L.A. again to Broadway from Hollywood with Love. Okay, great. This is your, what, your 30th year? But uh, no, it's my, let's see, that will be 31 years, and I've done it 29. Well, wow. I mean. <laughs> Which tells you how busy I was. <laughs> I, they could just call and say, oh, Carol will do the show. And I go, sure. Well, you know, it's funny, Carol, because you are really, you are part of the heartbeat of the stage organization and this benefit. I was talking well, thank to you, darling. I, I truly, it is my pleasure to do it, and I'd like to think I'm an integral part of the show because it's something I believe in, and I do joke about it. I always say, uh, you know, in 29 years, I have to wear a different outfit all the time, and... Um, it's my thing is, hey, let's get on the ball with the uh, cure for this, or at least we've done very well with AIDS so far, but we need to do more. And I said, I'm running out of drag. <laughs> I'm going to have to speak to somebody about more clothes if I have to go on with this. Well, you know, I talked to Jake Simpson, who is also performing this year. I talked to Jake for an hour the other day. And he just loves you, and he is so committed to Stage L.A. and what AIDS Project L.A. does. Well, they, I'll tell you what's wonderful about it, Debbie. Now, you know, there are people like Elton John and all people who, uh, you know, get millions. But that's done a lot of that, which is wonderful, goes to research and that kind of thing. And we are more hands-on you know, we, um, you know, we give them places to live, take care of animals when they're um, in health, health services of all kinds. We're, we're really more personal. We um, sort of service all of Southern California, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what I love. You know, we, we know who we're dealing with. Well, and I happen to get hold of the statistics Scott provided them the wonderful publicist for Stage LA. Scott Barton. Scott provided. Love me- him. Oh, yeah. don't don't we both? Don't we both, Carol? Yes. But he gave me the statistics of just what the money from last year's benefit did this past year with APLA. Yes. Twenty seven hundred HIV tests. A hundred and forty thousand bags of groceries to people. Oh. And Debbie, I remember when we, if it's eventually, I remember when we started out, my darling sweet thing, I was, all of us were in there, I mean, we brought the coffee pot for the coffee, uh, we did our own makeup and hair, honey, we were in the bathroom cleaning everything in the bathrooms, because we were in sometimes very strange locations, <laughs> and we did it all. And then gradually, and I, we charged, I think it was $10, and people would go, now, what's this for? There wasn't even a name for AIDS when we started. Mm-hmm. You know, it was called, I don't know, the plague, the gay disease. There were a million names for it, and um, we just knew it was terrible. And uh, I was doing 42nd Street at the time, as 1984, and I was doing 42nd Street out here in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I remember a um, young man in the company um, was stricken with AIDS, 
And I thought, isn't that amazing? I'll probably never know anybody else, you know, who who has it. Well, of course, that proved to be very wrong and terrible for everybody. Mm-hmm. But it, we started that long ago, and I had this hairdresser uh, in 42nd Street. He came to the show uh, one of the times, and he said, oh, my God, you ladies are BV, beauty violations. He said, we're going to have to pitch in and do something about your hair. And so he he got a bunch of his friends to come in, and then somebody saw the makeup and went, mm, I don't think that's good. So it gradually grew, Debbie, to, to what it is now. We have people who bring us coffee. We have people who... Um, give us food for the, you know, the dress rehearsal and all that. And it's, it's, you know what's terrific about it, Debbie? We get to see all of our friends. It's a, there's never a time in the year usually that you see all of your show business friends at one time. Mm-hmm. And it's terrific, terrific. We well, laugh our tails off backstage. Well, you what, know. what's so so lovely about this event? And last year was phenomenal. The stage goes to the movies when Shirley Jones ended up being a surprise opening guest with Robert Osborne. And right. We, we went on the great musical journey through movie musicals, and it was I was like a, a pig in heaven with that show. You know and that you'll get more this year, my darling. I'm telling you, it'll I, be it'll be um, from. Uh, you know, from the movies to Broadway and back. Yep. And it's funny because I talked to Jake Simpson uh, the other day, and Jake was telling me he's going to be doing a number, a James Bond number, Tomorrow Never Dies. How fabulous. That is beyond fabulous. Mary Jo Catlett, Mary Jo, who couldn't perform last year uh, because she had had a torn tendon in her leg. Right, right. Mary Jo will be... Will, but she's good this year. She's, she's good. She's good this year, and she's going to be singing a Doris Day song with Adam Wiley, her former co-star uh, from a while ago, who's going to be doing magic acts. How wonderful. See, you're giving me information. I didn't. Everybody, we kind of rehearse by ourselves. I mean, with David Galligan, our director, and then we come together, dress rehearsal night. Mm-hmm. And everybody goes, oh, my God, you're doing that song. How fabulous. Oh, you're wearing that costume. It's it's exciting for us to come together and see what everybody's doing. And, of course, I loved, don't you love Bob Osborne? He was there last year because he was. we were doing movies, you know. And a uh, uh, little side note, darling, um, if I veer from this, Debbie, you talk to me about okay. if I'm going off in another direction, darling. But Bob Osborne was best man at when Tom and I got married. And, Debbie, you'll never believe it, but I swear <laughs> your audience will know. I was trying to look virginal for my <laughs> wedding. And uh, in the theater, we call that a stretch. <laughs> and um, <laughs> among other things, darling, I tell you, I thought, see, I thought I wear no makeup. And my vision was I look like Grace Kelly. And Lucy turned to me and she said, put on some lipstick. You look like the ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> so I put on lipstick, I swear to God. Tom lifted my veil and it it was like the miracle worker. He had no idea who it was because I had on no makeup. And and that man is still with you to this yes. day. Yes, my darling, we've been married fifty one years. How's that for? Honey, they don't even do that in Abilene, Texas. That's that's talking. that's right. That's... I, I always say I was twelve years old when I got married. Well, you were. I, I, you bet. And I told that to somebody the other day, and they went, "You were twelve." I went, "Oh, get a grip." I mean, <laughs> no, I wasn't twelve. I wasn't in Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> but next best thing, Texas. Anyway. We honestly married, but I loved it. So I've known Bob Osborne that long. Mm-hmm. See, that was great. He came out here. It's like a it's like a family reunion, you know. Mm-hmm. Do you and know I, who's going to be hosting this year? No, nobody's I, told me either. Uh, I mean, and in fact, 
to be truthful, my darling, I don't think we have an effect. Now, Bob's being here last year was um, unusual. Usually there is no host or hostess, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it's just we tie the songs together. But that was kind of unusual um, for for David to have Bob. Mm-hmm. But he is so identified with movies and all that it was a great coup to get him out here. Oh, absolutely. And you But know- actually, um, to my knowledge, there will not be. Uh, we usually do not have a host. Well, one thing you are going to have again this year is that incredible silent auction. Oh, how about that? Have you? I do you know how much stuff I I bid on last year and how much I came home with? And do you know how much of that stuff just sits there? And I go, I've got to wear that. <laughs> I, and but it is a great silent auction. Well, you know, Scott t- gave me told me some of the big ticket items this year that people yeah. can bid on. A six-day, five-night Belize spa vacation at the Maruba Resort Jungle Spa in Belize. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm well, not kidding. I may have to, You and I may have to bid on that. Leave well, Tom at home, and you and I will go on that. I just want... It's not against the law for me to bid, is it? No, it's you not. You know how when you're... When you work for a certain company or something, you can't... But see, this is... Um, this is all. This is a freebie, so I think I'd be able to bid. Oh, on I that. think so. If not, just let Tom do it for you. <laughs> oh, I will. And oh, they have a lot of jewelry too. Which they I have love. jewelry. There's also a Thanksgiving week in New York City, so people can bid, and they can be right there, up close and personal, for the Na- Macy's Thanksgiving parade. The signed paintings are really nice too. And this, you know oh, what's great about beautiful. the show, Debbie? Yeah. That I love. And people say, "Oh, if they don't." I don't know. If they if there's somebody they're not that crazy about, I said, you know, it doesn't matter. Two minutes, da- there's somebody new coming on. I mean, it is a parade of Broadway and Los Angeles talent. Mm-hmm. Well, Greg- is one of the joys for you, Carol, just with these 29... Sorry? 29, is one of the joys of, of what you do as a performer is seeing the joy from that you receive from the audience when they applause or, or they're really moved... By performance, yes, that- and you know, and you know, Greg, what's good about it too? I can usually I can't see past a certain amount of rows, but mm. I see people in the audience and I talk to them. And um, then we have John Marr, who is fabulous. He's the guy who signs for the deaf, you know, on the mm. side. And um, I love talking to him. <laughs> and. Um, it's it's wonderful we have that service too. So people who um, have a hearing problem can sign. He does that, and he's one of the favorites for everybody, you know, because he's he's very funny, and he and I have a good time, kind of having having a go at it on stage. So I love that too. You, you definitely did last year. Yeah, <laughs> and when when we first started this. Um, I didn't know we were having a signer. This was a few years after we started. And David said to me, now, Carol, there'll be a, a gentleman on the side, stage left, and he'll be signing. And I said, oh, really? And so I said, would it be all right if I said a word or two to him? And so he said, I'll ask him. John said, and I didn't know John at all, and he sent word back, oh, tell Miss Cook, don't talk to me. I'm very shy. I'm very shy. <laughs> well, of course, that's all I needed to hear. <laughs> and I came out and I said, ladies and gentlemen, we have Patty Duke with us from the Miracle Worker. <laughs> and I thought he would. And now, the joke to that is, now he gives me notes. He said, Carol, he's, I made him a star. I mean, people can't wait for him to do something. And he gives me notes before we go on. He'll say, Carol, I think you'd be better if you waited uh, for a count of three before you... I said, John, I'm the one doing this show. (laughs) But he's adorable, and I love it. I love doing it, you know. Oh, well, I, I think you enjoy it more than anybody else. But everybody just loves this benefit. They love the cause. They love the benefit. They love the fact that all the money that you raise, it's not taken for administration fees. This actually goes to help people in need. Debbie, I'm telling you from the beginning, I love telling this. 
we, I mean, nobody had anything. I mean, we just, 10 bucks got you in. We And David would say, now the only thing, you will have to pay $3 for parking. And he said, and we will give you the $3 back. That's all they paid for. Even then, Debbie, mm-hmm. I said, what about the $3? And David would say, well, I think you'd like to contribute that, wouldn't you? <laughs> I mean, they wouldn't even pay for the damn parking. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's how poor we all were. And it worked. It worked, mm-hmm. you know. Well, you know, when I talked to Mary Jo Catlett uh, yesterday, uh, Friday, yeah. Uh, what she was really impressed about is from last year's, uh, the money raised last year, do you know that 58,000 hours of home health care visits were made because of what you did? Isn't that, isn't that fabulous? You know, and we're, we're, you're, we're homegrown. Mm-hmm. And I think, I'm not sure about this, Debbie, but I think over the years, 30 Thirty years, and this will be our third. I think we, I think we're it's around like five million or something. No, it's over seven, Carol. Oh, are you kidding? I'm not kidding. Oh, then I'm going to ask him for money. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I worked free for too long, sweetheart. No, no. You no, need you need they, some money to bid on these silent auction items. That, that's it. I'll promise I'll take them and bid. <laughs> because there are several things that you mentioned that I, I that Thanksgiving one I think would be great. Well, Greg was saying he likes the signed paintings of of, oh, yeah. of yeah. Broadway legends. Oh, Greg, don't you love that? Oh yeah, yeah. I just love. I mean, Candor <laughs> Neb, Jerry Herman, um, ev- you know everybody. Sondheim. Mm-hmm. And Sondheim is very much in every in the forefront right now after. Into the Woods was just a huge hit for Disney over the oh, yeah. holidays. Do you know when we do Sondheim, he's one of our he's one of our stalwarts. I mean, we we can always count on a good audience with Sondheim. Mm-hmm. But we do with Berlin, we do it, and I kind of love it that David has opened it up sometimes, and it's not just one or two, um, you know, composers and right. actresses. That we've opened up to movie. Everybody, everybody loves the movie, well, uh, movies and the music in it, and Broadway, and that's what it is this year. Well, I, and I think that's that's one of the most fabulous things, and it's something. Be it Broadway, be it music, be it movies, it touches everybody. That is a universal language that touches everybody in one way or another. Oh, it does. I remember when I was a kid, I'd come out of the movie. Uh, with my mother and grandmother, and I'd swing around the parking meters, you know, and they'd say, what are you doing? And I said, I still hear the music. You know, you did. You'd come out of the movie, and, you know, Gene Kelly, all all of those, you know, it was just, it was fabulous, fabulous. And so we're going to do them all for the public. Well, and the public can get tickets to this great event just by going to stagela.com. I know there are plenty of fantastic seats still available. Yes. Because I'm always up checking on on the Sabin website to see what seats are still available. Yeah, and it's at at the Saban, or however you pronounce it. Saban, Saban, Beverly Hills, May 9th. Right off of La Cienega. Yep, parking is lovely. The Wilshire Theater. And it's Broadway... And the movies right here in L.A. It's to Broadway from Hollywood with love at the Sabin or Saban Theater <laughs> at the corner of Wilshire and La Cienega. You can park in Larry Flint's building on the corner. 7.30, May 9th. Doors open, I think, at 6. So people can start bidding on those silent auction items. It, but they'll have to beat me there. <laughs> well, I don't know. You and I are going to be the first ones in line for that Belize trip, I think. I get there about three days early to start the makeup, honey. Well. <laughs> so I have to. And uh, But anyway, I'd love to see everybody there. I promise you a great time. Well, my darling Carol, I have our next, a lovely female director who's going to be talking to us next, who's calling in. Women are just, we're taking over the show today. Greg, Greg's, yeah, the, odd, the, Greg's the odd man out. Uh, Greg, I apologize. You can have another day, sweetheart. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. 
I shall see you it's on our time. <laughs> I shall see you on May 9th, my friend. Oh, uh, lovely. I will see you there. We'll hug and kiss. And that goes for you, too, Greg. Yes, I will oh. be there. <laughs> I, noticed, I noticed a little hesitancy. Oh, God, just... I'm going to get you for that, Greg. Okay, okay. She will, too. <laughs> and I All will. Right. You give my love to that darling husband of yours, and I will see you in, in less than a month. You better believe it. And thank you both so much. I love talking to you. Thank love you. you so okay. Bye, Carol. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. That that's amazing. Is a legend. Yeah. Legend. Okay. Yeah. And now we have a future legend on the line. <laughs> were you live? Were you li- <laughs> were you listening? I heard the very very tail end. <laughs> you you got a tough act to follow here after Carol Cook. I know, but you know what? I I've learned not to even try. <laughs> you let everybody have their greatness and just be who you are. Hey, you know, and Carol is you know. I mean, people think of Kara, and it's like, that's Bessie Limpet. It's Bessie Limpet. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I know. Yeah. For everybody who is now tuning in or stopping laughter, recovering after our fun exchange, I have the fantastic writer-director Jane Clark, the head crazy bitch herself, the of Crazy Bitches movie, on the line. Morning. Hello. And Crazy Bitches is now on DVD. Yes. Well, we're on pre-order. Pre-order. Well, that's okay. Wait, when does yeah, it specifically yeah. street then, that your, your DVD? Uh, April 14. Okay, cool. So. April 14. Yeah, we were going to, uh, I think I forgot to email you guys, but we were going to come out on the 1st, and then it was the 7th, and then, but now it's definitely the 14th. We've got approval from Amazon, and I've got it up on the website and everything. It just took me a really long time to just put all the elements together, because it's got all these extras to it, and... Um, I guess I thought I was just going to whip it out, but, you know, we ended up going through, I ended up going through every, every single piece of footage that we had to find some fun little things to put on an outtake reel. And I recut, um, one of the makeout scenes due to popular demand. Ooh. And, nice. uh, and then I, um, I pulled, uh, there's a four minute segment from the film that was originally meant to be at the top of. Uh, like right after the the first scene of the movie, and it's supposed to introduce the characters, and I ended up cutting it in the end because I thought that it slowed the pacing down, but it's a really cool um, introduction to each of the bitches. Oh, cool. And uh, and then I do a director's commentary, which took me the longest. I mean, just forever <laughs> to try to figure out what, you know, to, to sort of narrow down the stories per scene because there were so many. Okay, and I, but bet, I, and I bet the whole time you were like cringing and you're saying, Damn, Debbie, she told me to do a DVD, and now I have to do this. Exactly. It's all your fault. It's all my fault. Everything <laughs> is my fault. What can I say? You know, for people that, that have not are not aware of Crazy Bitches, give them a rundown of this fun, fun, fun film. Well, the basic uh, log line is that seven women and one fabulous gay guy go to a remote ranch for some R&R, and then things go horribly wrong when one by one they're killed by their own vanity. So it's mostly comedy with a little bit of horror and um, a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, a poke at uh, women and at, at me, at us, at my friends. And it's a really good time. It's just a fun, fun, fun time. And of course, once again, I have. I would be remiss not to mention the incredible, incredible job you have done with corpses and blood. <laughs> you well, know, we don't want to ignore that. No, we don't want to. And that is so standout in this film. The attention to detail that you put in, it, just fabulous. Fabulous. Yeah, thank you. You know, I mean, you know how much I, I love those little details, especially with the color of the blood, the positioning of the bodies, you know, the surprise element. And the location, it's a really expansive location, too. For that budget, it's a really beautiful landscape that, that you shot on. So I love that, too. Yeah, I, lo- I really lucked out with that one, honestly, because, you know, if I had had to actually, when I was looking for a location, um, I'd originally written it with a lake, and uh, but I wanted this really hot, sort of hot, higher-end house. I didn't want, like, a crappy cabin for the girls. <laughs> 
because they wouldn't stay in a crabby cabin. <laughs> and, um, you know, like your typical log cabin horror site. And I, and I almost gave up because I, I'd found a location, and it was going to be incredibly expensive. It was beautiful, but it was going to be really expensive. They had shot True Blood there and a bunch of other things. And um, I w- was almost sort of feeling defeated, and I made one more pass through a, sort of a location directory that's available and this had just popped up. And when I went to meet the woman, I could not believe that all of these little places were available on this one site. She had developed this whole piece of land by, basically by herself with workers and designed the whole thing. And it's, in, it's incredible, incredible. And she really worked with me to make sure that I was able to, to afford it. And I, I'm really grateful. Well, something that, something that people should need to be a little more grateful about are is this whole idea of digital downloads and buying dvds because you have just gone through an experience that many filmmakers go through a lot of them don't talk about it and i think the public is really getting a a big handle on it thanks to what happened with the expendables three last summer piracy yeah you know i i completely underestimated the impact that that was going to have. I mean, I think that I underestimated two things. One, I think I underestimated how pervasive it is. And two, I think I underestimated the the level of interest that people were going to have in this film. Mm-hmm. You know, you make a little film and there's no stars in it. And, you know, you do your, your you know, we did a very, very small uh, marketing campaign. But apparently it was extremely effective <laughs> because, um, you know, I we released on a Friday and, that Wednesday, I got a call from uh, a cousin who's very techie, and he said, you know, I think I ought to just let you know that Crazy Bitches is all over the web, and you're the number, you are in the top ten of downloaded films for the weekend, I mean, among all films, uh, illegally. <laughs> I, I'm like, that's not, I, that's, not I, that's not the way I wanted to hear that news. But no, First you get the, you're uh, in the top, you, you're in the top huh? ten. First you're hearing, oh, you're in the top ten. Isn't that fantastic? And then you're getting the, the butt illegally. Yeah. It, it was really uh, a, a moment of joy <laughs> followed by an extended uh, of complete uh, devastation. But, you know, the thing is that I, so I, he sent me the, the one of the, main URLs that he goes to all the time because of course he pirates movies and he said um, yeah that's how he found out and and I went there and I started trying to find my URLs and taking doing the takedown on them I did 75 takedowns and realized that I was at the tip of the iceberg and was never going to be able to handle it myself and we ended up finding a company for not too much money that would you know systematically every week go through but that their first pass they removed 647 URLs on top of my 75. Wow. And yes. they average that they, they they estimate that the average is 300 downloads per URL. So when you start doing the math, the losses are um, you know the dollar amount that we lost is huge. And the sad thing is that you know it wouldn't take much to pay our investors back. We'd be in the black now if even a quarter of the people that to date have illegally illegally downloaded the movie actually just paid the three ninety nine to rent it. Yeah, and I, this, it makes my life easier because it helps me to go. You know, if I want to make crazier bitches and craziest bitches, you know, I, I need I need the backup. I need the sales. I need to you know have you know. I need to show that there's an audience. The, the sad part is I actually can show there's an audience because clearly there was one, but it's right. not, it doesn't help, me, doesn't help me with this film nor the next one. And I just don't think people realize, you know, they think, well, it's just me. It's just one, one download. Or it's a company, so how, you know, who am I hurting? And I'm not sure they understand that they're, Im- they're impacting my livelihood I mean, in a serious, serious way, because I'm not a big filmmaker making, you know, tons of money. I've never gotten a paycheck from either one of my films. Um, so that was, I've been basically working six years for nothing. Mm-hmm. Well, you know? and, and I think this is something, you know, and you're right. I don't think people realize, they think it's, oh, I'm the only one doing it. Well, number one, you're not the only one doing it. But what's happened with the advent of making it easier for filmmakers to make movies now because of the technological advances 
and all these different platforms to get your film out there, it just opens you up. It exposes you thinking that, okay, yeah, more people have access to your film, but then people need to step up and take some responsibility and do the right thing and pay for access to that film. Yeah, you know, and it's an, it's, it's, but it, it's a sort of a psychological issue in that, you know, there's a whole gen- generation of people who uh, have grown up with the Internet with everything being free. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, journalists, that's why journalism has gone downhill and, you know, the print magazines and the pa- newspapers are pretty much going out of business because nobody's paying for that content either. And it's the same thing that, that killed the music industry and killed it. It killed it. Yep. And, um, and, you know, we're headed that direction. And what really puzzles me is when I, you know, we, when you talk to people in the industry, when you talk to, you know, I've talked to some journalists that are like, well, it's sort of an old story, isn't it? Isn't it? And I'm like, no, it's not an old story. If it's happening now and it's happening, you know, and it's ruining livelihoods, it's just, it's not an old story. It's a story that people decided was finished. And when they stopped talking about it, the problem stopped being dealt with. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I, I'm I'm really grateful that so many people wanted to see the movie. I hope most of them enjoyed it, but uh, y- they got to pay for it. They got to pay for it. It's also a double. Yeah. It's also a double frustration because you. I remember you were telling me that you experienced similar a similar situation with Methhead, right? As far as regarding distribution of a really good movie that people loved, but it's it's another aspect of like distributing your content for people to watch and pay for. Yeah, I mean, it's just gotten harder and harder. Legally and illegally, it's gotten harder and harder. Um, and I do think that to some degree, you know, it, this particular situation I could blame on myself because I, I, I just really didn't plan for it. And now that I understand that there are things you can do, I will plan differently the next time around. And I think back to Methhead, you know, and when we released and we didn't have money for an ad campaign, and it really just, uh, and we didn't have the backing of the distributors in terms of finan- financially. I mean, they, they liked the movie, they took it on, but small distributors these days don't put any ad dollars in. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were broke on that film. And um, I just, I saw, you know, I saw Google Alerts with Methhead torrent, you know, on torrent sites, and they would pop up, you know, a couple times a week, but I, I really didn't. I thought, oh, well, then there's just a couple of URLs, and I, I just didn't understand how it worked. And I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure that a great amount of our uh, potential earnings on Meth had also went out, uh, went to the piracy issue as well, because um, I now realize that that Google alert I'm getting <laughs> yeah. only reflects, like, an nth degree of the amount of URLs that are actually out there. So what would be, for other filmmakers, small filmmakers like yourself, what would be your best bit of advice to them about try, in trying to prevent piracy of, of their films? Well, you know, I'd say, first of all, it's a film-by-film basis. So I'm going to preempt it that way, by, but... In general, there are companies that do takedowns. They just are automated, and they spin through, and, and you know, they search for the URLs, and then they send the, the takedown notices, and then they, they'll, they'll then quantify how many have been taken down, how many are pending, that kind of thing, and you can mm-hmm. keep track. So I, I plan on employing them weeks in advance of my release next time. <laughs> um, that's number one. Yeah. I know that one of my... Um, I only gave Blu-rays out to festivals for screening, and some of the URLs that have popped up have a incorrect time code, which my Blu-ray had. Uh, it was my my burner for whatever reason burnt an hour and thirty-one onto it. It's an hour and thirty-nine, and so I was seeing the URLs with the time with the the length of the movie being that of my Blu-ray. I'm pretty sure that. I lost a film through one of those festivals. And that's not to blame a festival. It's just to say that there's a lot of people who are working for free for festivals by necessity, volunteers. And I, that DVD travels and Blu-ray travels through different hands while it's in, in, their, you know, in their care. Sure. And I, I'm pretty sure, I'm, I'm 99% sure I lost a film through a festival 
I think I've lost a lot of films through a lot of different ways. I mean, a lot of copies through a lot of different ways, but that was one of them. So I highly recommend um, that if you're going to screen a festival whenever possible, make it a DCP and have it locked, you know, so that it has an activation code that, that has to be controlled. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of screening links that go out to press. And, you know, I've been told that that, that could be an avenue that, that, um, where it slipped away. And the, the screeners that you send to the festivals. So, right. I mean, you know, some films really need that festival route, and they really need the reviews out of that festival route, and they really need um, the uh, word of mouth and hopefully awards, if you can get awards. I mean... Meth had won a bunch of awards, and, you know, I think it, at the very least it gives it some gravitas. But um, but it was that kind of movie, too. And Crazy Bitches, you know, when I do Crazier Bitches, I may not play festivals at all. And if I do, it's going to be a festival I, you know, I have a relationship with and I have a reason to trust. Mm-hmm. And I'm also going to really limit uh, the, the screeners that go out to press and, you know, any kind of coverage because... Uh, you know, you don't you don't know. I mean, there's a lot of you know small bloggers out there that are great and they they're insightful and they write really good reviews. And then there's a lot of people you don't know who they are and you can't really back it up. And and um, I think it just you just have to be more cautious. You just have to think about who are you giving this link to. It's precious. It's it's yeah. copy, copyable, and you better be sure when you hand it out. And there's a lot of you know people that. You know, you just don't know who they. You just don't know who they are, and they don't. They, you know, they they maybe have 500 followers, and you know, they're trying to make a name for themselves. They could be great people. They could be somebody who makes a little money on the side. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know, but yeah. that's one one other thing to be cautious of as a filmmaker who you give that film to, whether it's press or the festivals or anybody else. Um, and watermark it if you have a up online <laughs> watermark it so that it, it has a distracting, you know little thing that pops yep. up every now and then. The reviewers that are, are legit reviewers are used to it. You know, they get those from the big studios anyway. Um, so you won't turn anybody off. But you have, to, you have to do those things and be extra cautious and be highly aware that it's a huge market and, you know, you can lose your film anytime during the sort of festival marketing. Mm-hmm. Well, Jane, I know we have to run to our next direct female directors this is our this is our women's day i think all right um but before we let you go you are kind enough you're going to give us a signed copy of crazy bitches for a giveaway yeah 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 blu-ray or dvd whatever anybody wants but okay well greg is going to be handling that because he is the master of giveaways yeah, Blu-rays. I love Blu-rays, so definitely I'll. He has a big a, smile on his face. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I loved your. I loved your <laughs> okay. film. Okay, so you let you let me know what you need from me. You know how to reach me. Definitely, we definitely. do. Jane, awesome. thank you so so much. Everybody can go to Amazon.com now. Pre-order. Uh, go to my website and pre-order. Amazon will go hot on the fourteenth. Okay, so pre-order on your website, which is thecrazybitchesmovie.com. You got it, and I will talk thank to you, guys. you soon. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. And is this Ezra or is this Nissan? So this one is Ezra. Well, you Hi. hold on one second, Ezra, and then I'm going to bring Nissan in here. We've got Ezra Saddam and Nissan Dog joining us, the directors of across, writers and directors of Across the Sea. And Nissan is, is here, too. If you can hear me. We've got both of you on the line. Yeah. Yay. And I have to tell you, I mean, first of all, congratulations on the Audience Award at Slam Dance for Best Narrative Feature for Across the Sea. Um, and now you're actually going to be playing in the Arclight Theater on April 12th. How exciting is that for you guys? Yeah, that's incredible. Um, we have a lot of friends who also live in L.A. They have been looking forward to see the film. So it's really exciting to be showing there. Well, I have to tell you, the film is, I've seen it. It is so beautiful. The widescreen, you, you 
widescreen lensing and you're shooting yeah. there on the Aegean Sea. I just wanted to like get out, get out a beach chair, sit under a cabana and just, <laughs> and just watch. It's gorgeous. The film is Thank gorgeous. You. Where um, so I guess the happy thing about that is that um, the cinematographer was our friend from Columbia University, a graduate film program, and that was his first feature film. Wow. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. That He's is great. His name is John Wakayama Kerry, yeah. He is... His work is absolutely stunning, and I think... You know, so many directors are reluctant to shoot in a widescreen, but with a film as, as beautiful as this, you have this beautiful light palette, this widescreen palette, so you really get the feel of the world. And then you balance it with a really interesting story with three main characters that have secrets and a level of darkness to them. So it's a beautiful metaphoric dichotomy you have. Thank you. Where you know, it's, it's really so beautiful there. Sometimes it's painful to be shooting because it's like, it looks so great. It's really hot out. It was in the middle of the summer, but you can't jump into the sea. You have to keep filming for hours and hours, you know? <laughs> Where did the idea for Across the Sea come from? We have, you know, a, we have the character of Damla who has left her native Turkey. She's gone to New York. She met a lawyer. She got married. They're very upwardly mobile. They have money. She's now expecting. And she doesn't want to go even go visit her homeland, but is essentially drugged by her husband. Where, yeah, where um, does this come from? It's, it's not your run-of-the-mill story. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's definitely not a personal story. But I guess um, her academic destination was very similar to ours. All of us went to New York for a better education in our area of expertise. And um, unlike uh, um, us, she chose to stay there and, like, get married. And, you know, we don't know what's going to happen to us, but that's her art right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, the story began uh, first in my head because I was so homesick after five years. Mm -hmm. I was missing certain emotions certain, um, some kind of like intimacy that I couldn't find in my surroundings, mm -hmm. uh, both uh, in Chicago and then in New York. So it was a short film idea, and then I pitched it to Nissan, and we all together brainstormed about it, and then we pitched to other friends who wanted to produce, and other friends who wanted to, you know, shoot, shoot it for us as cinematographers. So, um... I guess it's being, it's about being stuck between your past and present and, you know, what you leave behind when you pursue your ambitions. Um, that was our main drive to do this, to make this film. Well, I have to tell you, one of the most impressive elements of your film, after your cinematography, is your casting. And most notably, with the character of Barak, the old love who is still back in Turkey. That's um, uh, Ahmet Sangar, correct? Yeah. Yes. Where did you find him? He is, and the whole design of the character of Barack, he just, this is, he is like the perfect man. He is kind, he is generous of spirit, generous of heart. And his presence, Ahmet's presence on screen, it just emanates kindness. It's, it's yeah. just so beautiful. Where did you find him? In Sunday, when I go, or well, you should say because Ezra was the, the <laughs> one who first discovered the part. <laughs> um, I mean, like it's not like I'm not going to say I discovered him. He was already really there. Um, he his first biggest art his outbreak was in this. Um, film called Three Monkeys that was at Cannes mm -hmm. and it, that was directed by the um, latest Andorn winner, Turkish director Nuri Biga Ceylan. So he was already out there in terms of subtle acting. Like I think when he doesn't speak, uh, he can deliver so many emotions that have no boundaries and he can appeal to me. I, I believe he can appeal to every 
person from all around the world. Every woman now. By the way, he's going to appeal I just every jump woman in and say that they call him the Turkish Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Okay, I can yeah. see that because he definitely, there's not a woman out there that is not going to just go, oh, <laughs> when you see him on the beach, in the water, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you, you can see the whole story art on his face, basically. So that's, um, and there, really- there aren't too many actors that can do that because, as you mentioned, he has, his dialogue is minimal, but he wears, yeah. he tells the story. Mm-hmm. On his face and in his and yeah. in his movements, and it's just I mean, exquisite. Yeah, he's one of those actors who are in the film business because they want to tell stories, mm-hmm. not just to show up or other things. Like he really cares about serving to the story. And I have a theory that he would really risk his life to perform his best and um, a character that he really believes in. He's that kind of guy. He's like a fighter. Mm-hmm. So I hope uh, he also comes to <laughs> L.A. or New York or do <laughs> yeah. something. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, we have to see more of him. Yeah. We have to see <laughs> more. Now, and the challenges of shooting across the sea, how long was your production and with your budget and your locations, how many days did you have to shoot? Did you have a lot or very constrained as far as your scheduling? I think we were lucky uh, compared to other small budget indie films. We had five weeks of shooting, four wow. weeks in Turkey and one week in New York. And locations-wise, we were lucky because that was Ezra's summer town, that beautiful coast that you've seen there, uh, and the house, too, one of the houses. So Ezra was very generous. She opened up, you know, and, and her whole neighbors also were very generous. Aww. We kind of destroyed their summer, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> So locations-wise, you know, that's what how, how we made it possible in with such a low budget, um, having shot in locations that we own and mm-hmm. having a lot of, like, you know, the beach belongs to everyone and things like that. So that's how it happened. Now, and, it- like, other part of luck was, sorry, we also got a fund from uh, Ministry of Culture, which doesn't really happen if you have only one passport that is U.S. Mm-hmm. If you have double passports, you can benefit from multiple funds of multiple, you know, countries. So that's nice. Oh, nice. oh. yeah. Now, Ezra, I have yeah. to ask you, you, you were no stranger to Slam Dance because you produced the film I Am John Wayne, which won the Grand Jury Prize in 2012. Yeah. What, what is it that you love about Slam Dance, other than the fact you keep winning awards there? <laughs> well... <laughs> Well, you know, awards is something that, you know, makes you cheer up and, you know, motivates you. But uh, for us, it's all about process. And I guess the process of the festival at London um, always amazed me. And honestly, I believe I can become as brave filmmakers as um, the ones that I saw. Uh, at the festival, like there are so many brave works mm-hmm. that I would love to be part of, and they are not. They are fearless. People at London are fearless, and they would do anything to make their film happen. And that's the spirit that I, the pure hunger of filmmaking. That's something that I observed, and I am so proud of being a part of. So are the two of you working on it, another project right now? Uh, yeah, we, but we both have other projects uh, we're, we're diving into. Uh, but as, as you know, making a feature is so hard. Uh, <laughs> we already feel very lucky that we pulled off one uh, so quickly. Uh, we both have um, projects that we're writing. Ezra, you're kind of still at the writing stage too, right? Um, we're helping yeah. each other. Um, so, you know, I think we're not going to co-direct our next film, mm-hmm. but we definitely had a great collaboration. So we want to keep helping out each other somehow and be involved in each other's projects. So that's the plan. Well, I am getting the music cue that we are out of time today. Mm. I hope you will both call us back again to talk about other projects as you, as you yeah. move them along. 
And it, hope so, yeah. And in the meantime, everybody can go to the arc light April twelfth and see across the sea on the great big screen. Yes, yes please. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Ladies, All right. Thank you so much. Thank, and thank, thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. And okay, if if Brian plays this one more time, we're going to take a French horn and throw it through the window. <laughs> okay, that is all the time we have today. As we we warned you, jam packed. Next week we will be back. We'll be reminding you again about some giveaways that Greg is doing. Uh, Nancy Dassault, the legend herself from Too Close for Comfort, will be joining us. We'll have some ArcLight Slamdowns programmers and a couple other surprises for you. So. This is Behind the Lens, and we'll see you next week.